2: Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Don't be shy. It's one of those shows that I do tied towards getting into retirement. Tied towards getting to think a little bit different about money. You can always... Always learn a thing or two when it comes to money. It's uh, kind of an interesting dilemma. Going after an MBA, for instance, is it worth the money? I'm stunned at how many people go to college and get kind of wishy-washy college degrees. And by that, I mean like a history major. A history major, let's just say, and I'm just going to throw that out there, that I could be wrong here. Is lining up to be a history teacher. And I don't know if I would, I don't know if that financial commitment's worth it. You do walk away obviously a better person, more educated. You do walk away being able to teach young people about history. But, man, that's a tough one for me. I look at things on return on investment. If I have a boat and I have to house it in a garage and the garage isn't suitable, but I can house it at a dock, dock's going to charge me $300 a month, the uh, garage is going to cost me $3,000, so I go 10 months, when's the break even? Something has to like trigger in my head for me to get excited. Um, I love driving, I prefer to drive over fly, uh, because if I can get that four or five hours of, you know, my time in my head, it's... Pretty much so worth it. So I want you to look at everything as money. It, it's a sad, horrible thought. Uh, but that's my angle. And, you know, again, if you want to find happiness and such. For instance, one of my friends is a teacher. And her daughter just went to New York University, an unbelievably great school. And she became a theater major. And between you and me, the daughter's never going to win an Academy Award. Uh, she could be a production assistant for a couple of years. She could probably, you know, uh, lead to something more. But there's a lot of people, a lot of people who are in that same exact situation. There's someone who works at the station who thinks he's a theater major. I don't think he actually is a theater major, but he thinks he is. And you're like, what are you going to do with that? The answer for now, live at home and, and work in a job that doesn't pay very much. That worries me for him. I, 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 I'm like I sad for him. Decades ago, baseball legend Yogi Berra said the future ain't what it used to be. I grew up as a Yankees fan. I told you once that my uh, brother David taught me how to read by uh, reading a paper overseas. It was called Stars and Stripes, so you could read American papers. Taught me to read by following the New York Yankees. And Yogi Berra is kind of a statesman for the New York Yankees. So the future ain't what it used to be is a statement that still rings very, very true. So Yogi Bear's words remind us that everything you think about the future is probably wrong. Because in the 21st century, exponential technologies like artificial intelligence, machine learning, big data, 3D printing, robotics, bioinformatics, bionics, nanotechnology, they're changing the way we work and ultimately the way we live. And these exponential technologies have a lot of investable um, potential right now. Again, they're artificial intelligence, machine learning, big data, 3D printing, robotics, bioinformatics, bionics, nanotech. It was, this year is going to be the year where Apple comes out with the 10th anniversary of the smartphone. So it was 10 years ago, essentially, that Steve Jobs got on stage, and he pulls out this thing that was kind of a glorified iPod. He's like, "This is going to be your new phone." You go back in the 1980s, and Tom Selleck was, or 19, early 1990s, Tom Selleck was doing commercials for AT&T, and you can find him on YouTube where he's talking about the future. And it's actually pretty funny to hear because he, he goes, "One day you'll be able to get information of a whole encyclopedia." In three seconds. One day. So it's hard for us to remember that ten years ago we had basically bricks. If you turn on like a bad TV station like the one that I work for, Cron, you'll see a show called X Files. And David is walking around with a, f- a cell phone twelve, thirteen, fourteen years ago. And it's the size of a shoe box with a shoe in it. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. So you can't remember ever living without it, and yet we're pretty used to it. 300,000 Americans work full-time, earning an average $100,000 a year developing smartphone apps. That's crazy. An industry that didn't even exist. Now we have 300,000 Americans who make apps for a phone that 10 years ago was the size of a shoe. book from thousands of miles away. Oh, there's Tom. Hey, Tom. The country. Just your
1: head. Next, next Without stopping for directions, yeah. or send someone a fax from the beach.
3: Oh yeah, you can send someone. Yeah.
1: will. And the company that'll bring it to you, AT and T.
2: So even that, you know, he's talking about sending someone a fax from the beach. So he hits the he hits the wireless technology spot on. But now it's an email, and it's not a quote-unquote fax. <clears throat> but you kind of get the idea. So 300,000 Americans are working in an industry that didn't exist. 10, 15 years ago, when I was in love, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. I'd a little amorous and uh, a lot like a dolphin my my belly would turn red and I would call a travel agent Um, I would say travel agent and they'd say yes I'd like to go somewhere kind of cool can you help me she didn't go go look on the internet and come back with ideas she had ideas and this let me in my my loved one, my beau, who instead of taking photos with, I would take Botos, because she was my beau or I was her beau. Is beau masculine? Oh, I think it is. Anyhow, um, you get the idea. What the world needs now is not love, sweet love. So a lot of radical change is going on. New tech makes it near impossible to predict what skills will be in demand in 10 to 20 years. And yet we're sending kids to school to get history majors. You couple that with a little bit of longer life expectancy, and we're going to be forced to alter the way we work, alter the way we live, alter the way we play. So I think you got to stop thinking of things as mom and dad did, which was very linear. Um, I think the workforce, the retirement, the... Engagement and learning, employment, leisure uh, for our whole entire lives is something that we're going to want to pay attention to. We're going to work into our maybe 80s, 90s, and it won't be as horrific as it sounds if medical technology keeps us healthy longer. So be open minded about the future. And I want to think of it in a linear fashion. I would honestly just try to remember 10 years ago, there was no smartphone, there were no apps. Um, and look where we are today. So, I can't live without my weather app. Like, I used to watch it on the television. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's roblackshow.com.
1: Back now, 800 1220 That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: So becoming an adult means starting to consume adult ideas. And I know there's a cliche out there that moms want their daughters to meet a nice dentist. If you meet a dentist, make sure you have a nice shirt on kind of thing that you you hear through the media. I think that's part of being an adult now is, is having that concept of I need to find a good mate. I saw in a study tied towards Valentine's Day that if you have a good job, you're much more attractive to the opposite sex by about four times than if you have chiseled abs, which bodes well for me because I have a nice job and <laughs> my abs, I... I Maybe have a two pack, <laughs> maybe. Uh, front and back, right? Let's say, let's say when the muffin top gets a little out of control. <laughs> I'm husky, okay? I'm husky, but oh, I got a good job. Exactly. But remember, like uh, in the good old days, Tony, when you would basically your plans were to wake up and lay on the couch. And now you just don't have time for that. You have mm-hmm. to wake up. You got to catch up with what's their name. You got to you know, clean the house, you've got to go shopping to get things that you need. You can't just lay around on the couch on Saturdays anymore. Uh, Saturday's a business day for, you know, doing all the stuff in your life that is part of being a grown-up. So with that said, uh, talking about, we're talking about realtors in the first segment, and I hit on the, there's the four characteristics where they have to be a good, you know, process expert, know how to buy and sell, they have to be a good community expert, they have to be a good marketer and salesperson, good negotiator, and I'm seeing more and more people just start to do it on their own, and I think they can. There's a website, for instance, called smartzip.com that will give you a free home value rating and full comparative market analysis for 30 bucks, which is something that used to be exclusive to realtors. Um, you can now take out a Facebook ad and sell your home there. A Facebook ad is going to cost you 25 bucks. You can target all women uh, in your neighborhood, and you're going to get many, 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 many offers. And... A little sexist of me, but I, I tend to think that the women are the people that drive real estate purchases a well, little bit more so than men, because I would live, honestly, in a cardboard box, and I have lived in a cardboard box.
3: Both sides of the industry, and what I mean that the mortgage side and the real estate buying and selling side, are feeling pressures from the digital age right now. Right. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're finding right now digital mortgages. Uh, we're not fighting it. We're trying to embrace it, and I think that, that uh, the... The more that the real estate industry embraces the digital era, uh, the online era, the, the millennials that are coming out here with great jobs, great down payments, great credit scores—the ones that do have this here in the Bay Area—they uh, have to embrace it. Uh, you know, the realtor I work with in San Francisco—he's—he's he's, has to be completely connected to everybody, and um, he he needs to be able to put out. Um, almost any kind of analysis on a property at, a, at, a, at an instant, and being able to send that to the client, um, and give accessibility to—he to, uh, has to have really interactive virtual tours, um, and and so on. It, it, there's just so many things that people are people are are. It's basically the hardest thing to keep up with is the digital era. I mean, I I'm not right. going to say that I'm. I've kept up with it, but because I, I'm and the more people hands who are up. able
2: to keep up with it are the purchasers and home buyers now.
3: Exactly, that's what I was trying to say is that they're they're doing it faster than the real ter- the real estate business. And right. so there's a big concentration right now on trying to um, keep us up to speed right. with what's going on. And uh, I still think that digital mortgages are going to take a lot longer than maybe selling a property online because there's still a lot of hands-on things that you need to do. To there's a lot of legal off, legal Yeah, a lot hurdles. of legalities, and I, I think the paperwork will still be there. I think you still have to get. You're going to still have several documents you have to notarize. Um, but I think once the title companies and the realtors and but I think the realtors you need to watch out. All start working. I do. I do. I believe so as well. And there's other industries like I'm going to be Insurance. hiring. I'm going to be hiring a
2: marketing group this
3: year. Mm-hmm. And the group that I'm looking
2: at is, they're a bunch of surfboarders down in Santa Monica. I'd rather hire them than someone who's been in the business for 40, 50 years. Because the younger kids who are actually surfing after work, they know the cutting edge technologies. Um, they're just as smart as the people who've been in the industry 30, 40 years. Yep. Um, and again, as far as realtors go, 90% of them are lazy. And you could do a better job than 90%, but those 10% really earn their money because they're able to pull all the skills together. Um, and to me, if you ask your realtor today, what, what are you going to do for me? And they don't say the word Google. They don't say the word Facebook. If they don't throw those out there. You need to fire them almost immediately uh, because they're kind of like Bon Jovi, uh, you know, kind of 1990s. Hasn't done much since kind of living on that kind <laughs> of reputation, on living on a prayer, oh. which is great and all, but we're in the 21st century and if you're if your a realtor can't come up with you know what Google AdWords are and a pay per click campaign and like I said, you can buy a Facebook ad for women aged twenty five to thirty five single or married, and we have the perfect house for you exactly yep and uh that's gonna it's gonna, and Comcast does it kind of on a level too where you can like you can buy ad campaigns on the golf Channel the Golf Channel very highly affluent people. People who watch golf are people who make six, seven mm-hmm. figures um, or mid-six figures, whereas people who watch Comedy Central, not so much. And you could target a bullet shot with it, 21st century information. So if I wanted to sell a high-end home, I'm buying an ad on Comcast,
3: on the golf channel. So, I think you uh, would be a good realtor, Rob. Oh, God, no. So I've got a problem. <laughs> so, You've got, what, what problem is that? Motivation.
2: Uh, so um, In my 20s and 30s, I was hungry, but look at me. Does it look like I've dug a ditch in the last 20 years? You and that, soft. The, the two-pack. Dang. I'm soft. So, yeah. I, I've said this, and I, I, I do truly believe this. I have one more startup in me. I've got one more business in me, and then I'm done. Um, I've made enough money. I can live till the day I die. I can retire right now if I it to. Um, I've got one more radio show, one more business, one more something in me, and I'm done kind of reinventing myself. So
1: Anyway. I'm kind of a big deal.
2: <laughs> kind of a big deal. So, you know what's kind of scary is that moment where you have to submit an offer on a home. Kind of a big moment, isn't it? Yeah. And we we kind of forget that when we're years removed from it. But in that process, in that time, it's like, whoa. So, when you're ready to make an offer on the house of your dreams, there's a lot of the little things you need to remember, right?
3: Uh, there's several. Um, and there's still, think, people miss a lot of things. And uh, it's it's going to be impossible for you to interview a realtor that's going to be, make sure that, they cover all of those points in that contract, but uh, they still miss quite a few things. And in some cases uh, there's a, there's a lot of, of, of buyer agents that are hoping that the seller agent misses some things. And uh, you'd be surprised on some of the things that realtors get away with. Like uh, they, they miss the contingency or they miss an inspection or they miss, um, you know, something that says we have, I have one person say we, we have 30 day contingencies and a 30 day escrow and this, this, the selling agent missed it. Uh, so, I, yeah, there's a lot of... It's a pretty intense process. You know what always process. scared me was the earnest money? That,
2: when you give a check yeah. to someone and say, I'm really serious about buying this property, and wait, you get
3: to keep it if something falls through? <laughs> That's... I mean, I remember yeah. that. That scared me, and I almost pulled out of deals before. It's scary on our side, too, because we're giving that pre-approval out, and we're saying, yes, we y- you're going to get this house, and you, by the way, you don't need a loan contingency, and if something happens, and... We didn't do our due diligence. That's pretty scary on our end, too, but we, we really do a good job on our ends. But it's a lot of pressure writing a $30,000 check. You heard it here.
2: 90% of realtors not worth their money. 10%? Totally worth We'll talk about that and more. You can find Tony Mendez at source.com It's source.com He works his butt off to get your mortgage approved. I know that to be a fact and true.
1: Into that song,
3: 'cause it hurts just right till everything is gone tonight. Never, never mind bleeding heart, beating heart. Never, never mind
1: your bleeding heart. Never, never mind your bleeding heart. Never, never mind your bleeding heart. Never, never mind your bleeding heart. Call Rob Black now, 800. 516-1220 that's 800 516-1220 now back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW some
2: A lot of decisions are made last second. And a lot of decisions are made incorrectly. I think you take a decision. I think you create opportunity. I think grammatically speaking, that's the way of thinking about it. Um, Should you buy a house or not? Should you buy or rent? Maybe that's what it boils down to. Is there a right choice? Uh, Like I always say, there's no right choices, there's just compromises. So what's your goal? Is it to make a profit? Is it to settle down? Is it to make babies? What's your credit score? Are you planning to move in the next couple of years? How much cash do you have in the bank? How much cash do you have in the bank in a worst-case scenario? What do you find you bought a home that is a fixer-upper? What do you find you bought a home that doesn't need any maintenance at all? So should you buy a house or rent? Motivation is pretty big. Buy a house if you want to put down roots. Start a family. Rent a house if your only reason to purchase a house is to get rich. Stick to renting. Now, when it comes to money, buying a house means you're going to have to put up maybe 10, maybe 15, 20% of the asking price for a down payment. In a hot market, maybe more. Otherwise, if you don't put down 20%, you're also going to have to pay mortgage insurance, which is suddenly like, oh, taxes have taken most of my money. Now i got to pay mortgage insurance on top of it? Rent typically requires a smaller fixed amount to get invested in playing, so to speak, or to get involved with. When you buy a house, you're going to have bills to contend with. You're going to have the mortgage. Um, it takes years, but you pay it off, which it ultimately will kind of eliminate a monthly cost. If you rent, you're going to rent till the day you die for life. Now, some people get into a wonderful situation called a rent-controlled building where the price will likely increase every year, but very, very slowly. Um, or not at all for some. I would never buy a home as an investment in a rent-controlled city. I just don't like it. I don't like the idea that I just don't like it. You buy a house based on time. If you're going to be in the home for five years or more, that's when you get some of those costs back. Because when you buy a home, you typically go, okay, I'm going to put some paint on it. I'm going to do this work. I'm going to do that work. And you kind of break your back for a while. Uh, So some of the costs of buying the home, for instance, the commissions to buy and sell, it takes time to get those advantages working for you with taxes and with you're the landlord paying yourself. You have to have commitment if you want to buy a house, and that takes a lot of effort. Commitment means you can't move just because you want to. Uh, Commitment to buy a house is going to suck up some time because houses sit on the market, and you have to find the one that's right for you. The last time I bought a home, I looked at easily 40 homes, easily and it gets tiring, and my commitment was starting to break. Starting to break, and then you finally like one more time. I'm gonna give it one more. So with rent, renting you don't have to have that commitment. You gotta stay till the lease is up, but you could also break a lease for a fee. Sometimes if you're in a rent-controlled area, that landlord's gonna be like, "Just go. I don't want you anymore," because they can reset the rent on someone. With With buying a home, there's the risk that the economy could slow down, you could lose your job, the home could lose value, and that freaks people out. But we've seen the reward that a lot of times homes go up in value. And that gives us some emotional, like glee, but it also gives you some financial security. When you rent, and I've seen this happen all too often, there's a lot of risk associated with rent can spike. Uh, a spiking rent can push you, oh no, out of your, where you want to live. That's a little bit on the sad side because, you know, giving you some perspective on that. Uh, um, I know a lot of people in the Bay Area where it's so expensive. And, one of my good friends just decided to move to Lafayette uh, from the San Carlos Peninsula, Palo Alto area. Bigger uh, Bigger house. Nice neighborhood, similarly nice, but not as close to Stanford, but closer to work. Um, Also, I know three or four families that are renting, and there's something nice about going home to Grandma and Grandpa's house and say, this is the house I grew up in. Uh, When you rent, there's not going to be that ability to go back. Now, the Bay Area's got renters that will rent for 12, 13 years. They'll rent for that whole kindergarten through 12th grade experience. But then you're like, whoa, I just spent 25% of my working years renting. Um, So it's important that if you do do that, and, oh, I met this beautiful woman the other day. And I just say that because I'm just, sometimes I I get breathless. I'm like, whoa, whoa. she got twenty thousand. She she inherited twenty thousand dollars, and she was like, "What should I do with it? And she goes, Should I buy real estate?" And she goes, "My dad loves real estate. My grandfather loves real estate." I said, "You should probably buy real estate." Um, sadly, she's looking in Fresno, which isn't horrible. Uh, it's not great, but it's not horrible for where jobs are. Um, but it, that it comes down to some of that. Uh, thought patterns. So, what else emotionally is involved in buying a home? Well, or realistically, you have to have a good credit score if you want to buy a home. Um, I like the renting aspect if you want mobility, especially until like, you're settled down. Uh, people are changing jobs more and more quicker, uh, quicker and quicker and quicker. And when they do, renting it helps. Uh, but again, like I said, you need a good credit score to land a mortgage rate that you're comfortable with. If your credit score is too low, though, you might find out that you're going to have to pay more money to rent a home. And what's embarrassing or horrific about renting is uh, property managers can check your credit. And I can tell you as a property owner that, you know, the property management company said, well, we got three choices here and You know, this one is three kids who all are separate and work at restaurants. I'm like, oh, no, not restaurant workers, which I'm not against restaurant workers per se. But that income could be uh, flippy. And it could be, I remember being a restaurant worker in college where, like, you work until 2 in the morning and you sleep until 11 a.m. And it's not, to me, as a landlord, the ideal tenant. Um, closing costs on a home are expensive, two to five percent of the purchase price, and that stinks. But on the other hand, if you want to rent, and the rent, total location is ideal and perfect. Sometimes you have to pay a fee to the the person involved. Um. So when you own a home, you have maintenance, repairs, and renovations. I did some work on the the yard, the landscaping, and. You can spend hundreds of dollars pretty fast. And the maintenance, you know, when the water heater goes out, I'm not calling the landlord. When the laundry goes out, I'm not calling the landlord. I'm doing it myself, right? So a lot of times management will cover the renter's maintenance costs. Uh, But also, on that idea of the renter's cost, is if you have a dog that pees on the rug, you're like, ah, it's no big deal, it's a rental. When push comes to shoving, you, you're out. Those pee stains and pee smells are gonna have you lose your security deposit. So there's a lot of factors, non-monetary factors, playing a crucial role in housing, owning versus renting. And I think anytime you move into a home, whether it's a rental or a home, it's a pretty big life change. So trying to afford a mortgage or avoid a mortgage is pretty important. And if you're planning on having a baby in the next three to five years, you may want to slow down your thought process on owning versus renting. Psychologically, people that I hear time and time again that they want to own a home is because they feel like they're wasting money on rent. And there's a lot of truth to that. Uh... A teacher that I was talking to recently wants to buy a home that's really far away from work. I'm like, why do you want to do that? She's like, because it's affordable. I'm like, okay, so you're saying it's far away from schools. So you're also telling me it's far away from jobs um, and housing that's desirable. So you're going to housing that's not desirable. But you're also probably going to housing that's not desirable in a poor school district. Otherwise, you might want to try to get a job in that school district. You get the process. This isn't as easy. So buy, what I'm trying to get at is, there's no shame renting. I'd like you to be buying somewhere at the same time. So if you rent to be close to work, if you rent for a low cost, I'd like you to be saving up some money, if not for buying a home in San Francisco or LA, a big city market. You don't have to do that. You can buy in a mid-sized market or a vacation market. I once had a friend who's a police officer. He uh, couldn't afford where he was, a police officer, so he bought a rental in Tampa, and uh, you know he Airbnbs it and rents it out, and one day he can retire there, or he can take the equity that he built and get something bigger and nicer that he wants. There are no right answers; there's just compromises. You got to think about that going in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. I'm Rob Black. Whether you're 20 years old or 60, managing your money can get complicated. So set aside Saturday, May 20th, and get ready to learn some strategies that can help you build wealth, invest confidently, retire better, and pass on your estate while minimizing taxes. That's May 20th at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. We have two seminars lined up. The morning event runs from 9 to 11 with a focus on retirement income and estate planning. If you're nearing retirement, this one's for you. We'll explain how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts to draw from first, how to protect your estate from long-term care costs, and much, much more. Our afternoon seminar is all about investing for your first million from 1 to 3 we will cover the building blocks of a successful portfolio from investing basics to 401ks Roth IRAs real estate taxes and investing tips two separate seminars May 20th at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge sign up for either event at RobBlackShow.com only $25 for KDODEB listeners I wave the feed just use promo code radio25 that's RobBlackShow.com promo code radio25 oh, yeah, you on my
1: mind. Since the flood Oh, oh, Heaven help fool Falls in love Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW Got a
2: Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I could use a little, kind of like a ladies' night feel here, because I'm kind of feeling a little conversation about women coming up. Um, men and women are different, right? I'm not a big believer that men are from Mars and women are from Venus or whatever. I could just tell you that we're different. Um, we make different investors. We have different needs in investing, different needs and savings. So when I see Ivanka Trump, I'm like, okay, she's different than other women, right? I <laughs> you're saying she's a robot. I think she might be a, a robot. But more importantly, I think women, they kind of get the worst part of the investing world. They have to save more. They make less. And I think this is an important lesson. I saw that by the year twenty, by the twenty-third century, uh, women and men will be on equal parity as far as invest, as far as uh, money goes. I'm like, that can't be right, can it? And strangely, it is. Um, so I take a look at those kind of things, and I, to say the least, it's it's frustrating. And uh, to give you some you know, harder examples, per se, it's it's not that tough. So women live longer than men, and they're going to need more money in their nest egg to live off of. Because no one works in theory from age 60 to 100, we just get our Social Security. So they live longer, they're going to need money longer. Lower wages and higher medical costs plague retired women so that puts them at greater risk for financial ruin than men. I'm not chauvinistic. I'm not noble. I'm not anything. Don't label me when I say this, but I think we don't take good enough care of the women in our lives. Uh, my father is a good example where he bought more life insurance on her because she was uh, overweight And he died 25 years plus before she did. She has yet to die. He was gambling that he was going to get a payday. I think. I don't have that answer because he's dead. And I don't believe in psychics. But 70% of nursing home residents are women. And that right there tells you, whoa, there's an imbalance. The average cost of a private nursing home is typically about $90,000 per year. Retired women pay about $600 more per year than men on out-of-pocket health costs. A lot of women, many women, put their family needs before their own security. Working and saving for retirement is not as much of a priority, but it should be. Compounding the issue and making it even worse is that women often have less money than men for the pay that they get. Um, and then their nest egg in retirement, they have a smaller nest egg, and they, they're the ones who are going to need long-term health care. My do- father got uh, had a heart attack in his early 50s. They found cancer, and they, they took it out of his lungs. And then it came back, and they said, you know, this time it's going to get you. You'll be dead in three to six months. And he died exactly at six months. Um... Women generally earn about 79 cents a dollar uh, that men do, and women spend more time out of the workforce to care for children or aging parents. If you go to a dry cleaners, you'll see that women's clothes are more expensive than men's clothes, usually, not always, to dry clean. And that's just sexist. Um, I think women need to focus more on their health. I think they need to find advisors who can understand their specific financial needs. I think the financial industry speaks the language of risk tolerance and investments, whereas I want women to speak the language of uh, protection and security, not being a burden to anyone. They want their money to last as long as possible. According to Social Security, a 65-year-old woman can expect to live to around 86.6 years old. Average male, 84.3. So they're living longer. Women need to stretch money to cover a longer lifespan. And in the course of a longer life, they will incur more health expenses. If you're in a nursing home in 84 and you live another two, three years, that's another $270,000. It's not minuscule. I know you're saying, did you say minuscule instead of minuscule? Yes, I did. I just injected the word man into minuscule because I'm talking about women and I can't take it any longer. How I love you women. you I love women. I love them, love them, love them, love them, love them. I love it. I love it. I love it. Men created the world. Women refined the world. So very few men are sitting around in nursing homes compared to to women. And, you know, you got a retirement plan for this case because it happens. Um, A lot of people think, oh, she'll just sell the house when I die. Well, my mother didn't sell the house when my dad died for another 24 years. She wanted to stay there where he was. Um, She didn't want to go back to her home in the South. She didn't want to, you know, anything romantic like that. She kind of wanted to hole up and die or hole up and, like, not do much. So a lot of people think that, oh, she'll spend less now that I'm gone. So women need to take control of their finances for sure. I'm not saying that this is up to the men or the financial planning people of the world. Um, But stay on top of things, all of us, preventative care, general wellness, physical fitness. So gym membership today reduces medical bills later. So when you're not able to walk and take care of yourself and you have to sit around at home, that's expensive. So get a gym membership, far less expensive if you're going to use it. 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
1: You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KBOW.